This is Open Mic Life. Let's go! Welcome to this week's episode. We have a very special guest coming. <laughs> Hi everyone, welcome back. We are now well into November which means the holiday season is knocking on the door. No matter what you celebrate at this time of the year, it is a time for gratitude and appreciation and mostly togetherness. A time to remember what is really important, that is our family, our health and our friends. To celebrate, we often exchange gifts and on today's episode, I have invited an incredible lady who this year will be giving close to 11,000 gifts to children in need. The nonprofit she's founded and is running to this day is called Operation Teddy Bear. This is a cause that I have been inspired by for years and I feel truly privileged to be telling my audience about it today. Association Operation Teddy Bear organizes not only the largest Christmas campaign. 16 years ago, they started as a civic volunteer initiative giving presents to 40 children from a single foster home. Today, they are an NGO that brings back Christmas to 10,000 children deprived from parental care with disabilities and children in risk. They believe it, it is their duty to be involved in the lives of those children year-round, so that is why in 2017 they have created a mentorship program to support the kids year-round and help them get a better future. I encourage everybody who is interested in developing their philanthropic projects to listen to the experience, challenges, and the pure passion of dedicating your work to a good cause. All of the links are linked to the episode, so please check them out and follow their work. But first things first, I want to catch up with Hike and get his thoughts on today's topic. So without further ado... Hike on the mic. Hi, Hike. Hey, hey. Oh, that clap was stupid. That was unnecessary. Are we going to cut this or? As you want. <laughs> uh, no, just keep the clap in. It's all right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, there's bloopers as well, right? It's about our first week. Exactly. So. Exactly. So how are you? Great. How are you? I'm very good. I really want really? to, yeah, yeah. I'm Are like, you? honestly, since we, honestly, since we started the podcast, since we have it, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've been riding on a high and okay. I don't know, I hope it's going to continue on. And I, I just want to commemorate this feeling about how it is right now, because mm -hmm. I have been on uh, our website the whole time. I'm tracking every single listener. I'm looking where mm -hmm. they are. And truth be told, I think most of our listeners are currently our friends and family. So I could yeah. even identify <laughs> like when I see in which country they are, <laughs> who this person is. So yeah. I'm, I'm very excited. And uh, I have heard some feedback, okay. uh, which has been predominantly really great. So I'm very thankful. And I think it really comes across what we're yeah. trying to do. I yeah. got some uh, constructive criticism. There on... you go, because that's feedback that, that matters to me. Yeah, but so... it also I think it's also important like to 
like to to see that what we're trying to do is coming through you know because yeah, yeah. Uh, i don't think we ha i have told many people uh i mean the 10 the closest people i have told like a thousand times what we're going to do but uh, some other people i haven't told to exactly why it's the two of us and how it is so i'm happy it's coming across but mm -hmm. yeah i have heard and i also want to thank the people who have pointed this out that there was some um little issues with the audio in the first episode that, at that? some well at some point it gets a bit more quiet oh yeah but That's i'm weird. working on it you know the whole technical aspect of this podcast has been a huge challenge and <laughs> you have helped me a lot yeah with because... all the programs and everything but I mean, before we recorded, we literally looked at a YouTube video <laughs> on how to configure <laughs> no, the microphone. You gotta be, you gotta be fair to yourself here, right? We, yeah. it was, they were very specific microphones. We want, mm -hmm. we wanted to do something specific with them, also. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's something else. And also, we just at the end, after what was it, like two hours, we figured out they're just not charged. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, don't blame yourself. Yeah, um, and in terms of, it, of the right? technical stuff, Serena, I kind of, I kind of expected you to have some some difficulties there, but, and I'll tell you why, right? Because the the programs that you're using to to record and edit, etc., these are programs I've used like, let me think, maybe more than fifteen years ago, mm -hmm. and not that our programs are outdated; they're updated, but it's just like I know how to work with them. Yeah. Um, but I figured like, you know, why don't you just take ownership of that and also familiarize yourself with it? Yeah. 100%. Because once you know how to work with like a audio editing program, it's, it's amazing. You can use that for a lot of things, making your own content, whether mm -hmm. it's a podcast or music or. So how was your week? Uh, great. It was actually quite an eventful week. Let me think what happened. Oh, actually, I went, yeah, I went uh, yesterday. I had a museum night in Amsterdam. So there's this event that they have every year where the museums are open in the evening, technically mm -hmm. until the night. It was it was quite interesting. So I went to the Van Gogh Museum for the, for the internationals. It's not the Van Gogh, it's the Van Gogh. Yeah, so we went to the Van Gogh Museum. So basically, in the, in the last two weeks, there was a whole like thing in the media that the Van Gogh did like um, a kind of a what is it a parody? Uh, and you know Van Gogh. So I went to this one 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 uh, room where he had all those portraits of himself. Right? There were like tons. I didn't realize. Yes, and the dude loves himself because he has like from all angles in different years, and he does have this. You know this this it's not a dog face so you you have your pose he has a specific pose that he he holds mm -hmm. and it's a very sober pose and, and that's very ironic because the dude was not a sober person at all right i actually took a picture of one of his paintings mm -hmm. which is on a table with with a bottle of absinthe um and if if any of you have seen euro trip the movie you know what absinthe is um Technically, it's like an alcoholic drink that that ranges from between 70 and and even eight. Yeah, no, 60 until 80 degrees uh, alcohol. Mm -hmm. But in the old days, there used to be a chemical in it that is subtracted from a plant. It's called Tujon. And Tujon has hallucinogenic effects. So technically, Van Gogh was high 
all the time. Nah, well, it's not all the time, but he loved to get high and drunk, crossfaded, as as we call it sometimes. And um, that explains a lot of his paintings, actually. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at are, it from that perspective. Yeah, they're quite like, surreal, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, that, that so that's something we did. And then apparently... Um, it's not something um, you learn at school, huh? Right? No, <laughs> you don't. But how was your week? Took, yeah. uh, my week? My week was good. My week was good. Uh, I have been, you know, thinking about a lot about our guest today. Yeah. Uh, because other than uh, the podcast, it has been business as usual. It's mm. quite a busy time at work. Uh, you know, yeah. people are trying Can to you get... give us give us a sneak peek at your uh, second life or first life or My you know like life. the other part of your yes of course, of your of profession <laughs> of course i work in consulting i work with european institutions and crazy time when everybody's trying to wrap everything up finish everything yeah. before the year Year-end. and it can either motivate you or like a little bit be oh my god you know there is also different times let's not mm-hmm. go crazy so it's that moment, but honestly, with the podcast, with what we're doing, nothing has been able to tamper with my mood. <laughs> Today, we're also talking to a very positive person, mm-hmm. so, who is the founder of Operation Teddy Bear. And oh. her foundation actually started with this Christmas campaign, mm-hmm. which uh, we also talk about today. And the goal is to give every kid in the country a Christmas present. And you can sign up on their website and be the Santa Claus for that kid. Okay. It's amazing, really. That's really and, nice, yeah. Uh, it's a huge responsibility that she has, that she has taken on. Yeah. And in general, she's also developing different projects that we are going to talk to her about today as well. What would you be interested in asking her in terms of working in a charity i'm not the most charitable person right i'll just come in, come into the door with that because often i get approached by various organizations and they want me to do a donation and it kind of comes out of the blue right it's like all of a sudden it's like a kid standing in front of your door and asking you to to donate for kids with cancer and you're like oh sh- this came out of the blue what uh but then again i feel guilty not donating mm-hmm. uh, right because it's 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 a cause i guess everyone wants to like obviously uh, support yeah um but obviously you also learn and 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 and, and try to understand like okay how is my donation going to ho- help Mm-hmm. And what fraction of it? So I, yeah, I. I this is a good I'm question. Overly critical. Ask. Yeah. 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 I'm overly critical because I also, you know, I've I've did some finance and accounting, and um, I learned that there is always a lot of overhead costs, mm-hmm. so to say. So the cost to keep the the um, the organization running. Yeah. And um, obviously, I'm always like, hey, if I really believe in a cause, I would proactively go and seek out either an organization or um, so it's about something I would be very curious about, you know, and then coming from the shoes that I'm kind of coming from, um, how would you kind of instigate into someone's uh, beliefs and Mm -hmm. feelings that your um, charitable cause 
should be their priority. Yeah. And above all else, mm-hmm. right? So that's yeah. the, the thing because there are so many things that are just messed up in this world that, you know, sometimes... How do you choose people, this one? Yeah. Yeah. How do you choose th- this one and why specifically this one? And in many cases, it comes to personal stories. So for mm-hmm. me, it will be also just very interesting... What's her personal story? What kind of drove her into, um, I almost want to say the business, but it's not a business, right? So, but-, but let's see, because I don't know. You know, I have no idea how this operates in such a way. So to yeah. have a charity as a business, I think this would yeah. be a great question. Yeah, uh, and how yeah. how do you actually kind of um, calm my concerns that it's 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 a business technically what i was saying it's a business right there's overhead if i want to donate somewhere i'll just try to donate as directly as possible i can yeah um so how do you kind of um also separate the the i think the altruistic Mm -hmm. um value of it from uh you know you yourself having to bring the bread on the table and uh, being able to feed your family and I think mentally this can take huge toll on somebody. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's one of the most admirable things of what she does, the cause that she chose. How do you make sure you, you can put boundaries? And it will be interesting to hear what she has to say about that. Yeah. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to Open Mic Life. Hi, nice to be here. Thank you for the invitation. It's really nice that you're here and I'm very excited to talk to you, especially with the upcoming festive season. I've always wanted to have you on. Can you say a little bit about yourself? How did you get into what you're doing? What are you doing actually? When I was uh, younger, maybe first or second year in university in London, One of my dear friends uh, invited me to participate in a Christmas campaign in London. They invite different people actually from around the world to just go and fill a shoebox with different toys, kids, and then uh, you have to drop off the box at a certain location. And what they they do is they make sure that this box with different toys and supplies for school uh, reach a child in need. And so I participated back then, 16 years ago. Uh, I really enjoyed the whole process and it was very inspirational for me to fill up a box and just leave it and imagine where the box would go and how uh, happy the child would be. So I decided to start something similar in Bulgaria. And the same year that this happened, I I went back home for Christmas and and I thought, well, we also have uh, children in need, not only in my country, but in my hometown. So I I just gathered around 40 presents, just different things that I had in home that were good enough to give to somebody else. And I packed them up nicely as Christmas presents and I donated them to a a children's home nearby. The rest is history. (laughs) 16 years later. 16 um, years later, the rest is history. And just to set the scene, you started yourself with 40 presents. Now 
you're organizing what I understand the 15th campaign. How many presents? 16. So this is the, the 16th campaign of you have uh, right now. Operation. Operation Teddy Bear for the past 16 years have been uh, donating presents around the whole country in Bulgaria. And this year probably we'll get to 11,000 uh, presents. That's uh, from 40 presents to 11,000. 11,000, nearly 11,000. This, this yes. literally gives me chills when I think about it. It's an amazing project. The more every year I talk to more people who are aware of it and everybody's so inspired and loves to contribute. I told you before we start the recording, I signed up already. And even after our call, I'm going to go shopping for my Christmas present. What did you study? What were the tools that you had to also develop so that you can run a successful philanthropic business? A few things helped. It's just about finding your mission in life. Once you find it, most of the things that you need to know, you kind of learn on the go. You, honestly, to be honest, whatever you study, it, it still won't prepare you for what's about to happen. I was actually just discussing this with my partner today that I've made in the beginning so many mistakes. And those were the most valuable lessons that you cannot learn from a book or in university. I acquired a degree, a bachelor's degree in marketing. It is a very useful degree to have when you run a nonprofit. Honestly, image is everything. You have to be able to present yourself to the world, get your point and your mission across so that uh, more and more people get involved in what you do. I loved what you said before that, that the mistakes you made in the beginning were the most valuable lessons. With this podcast, we're trying to give people the mentors that they're looking for. I think that's a great thing to say to somebody who is looking into working in a philanthropic cause, working in a nonprofit. What would you say are some opportunities that are coming up in the nonprofit industry? In Europe, we have some, some tough work to do, to be honest. The good thing is that this opens up a lot of uh, ground for innovation, finding new approaches for creating answers for difficult questions and difficult situations. So for younger people who are kind of looking for their mission and, and trying to figure out what they want to do in their life, they can they can actually get involved donating their time, their their skill, their energy. Uh, we're not even talking about money here. Mm -hmm. So this is something very exciting. What you said that uh, all of the issues that there are are actually opportunities to get more involved. If you look at issues in a way as opportunities, and in terms of innovation, I'm sure that it will present a lot more opportunities to be more interconnected between different nonprofits and are you also working together with other nonprofits thanks to you <laughs> we managed to secure a partnership with uh, roundtable 6 from luxembourg so that was something very exciting because they donated quite a big sum for us we're now able to create this very exciting project. We're actually on the verge of, of getting it done. It's this uh, children's book with the real story of one of the children that we've worked with throughout the years. Actually got into a partnership with a major publishing company here in Bulgaria. And they are publishing the book. And all of the proceeds would, would come to us so that we can develop further 
the mentoring program that we're doing year round. So this is something really exciting because when, when an organization from abroad reaches out and gives us support, it is it's quite different. We, we feel much more secure in what we're doing and we can, let's say, just uh, take a deep breath and be like, okay, <laughs> we'll get what we wanted to achieve done. Let's focus on the next big project that we have. Yeah, it's it's really nice to feel supported in this way. I'm very happy that this collaboration came to be. You mentioned now the mentorship program. We touched mm-hmm. upon Christmas campaign and mm-hmm. the book. So these are three different things. And to give our listeners a little bit of context about how much you're actually doing with your organization, what are the current projects that you're working on? So 16 years, uh, we started small, which is the, the Christmas campaign, which now we're, so we are partnering now with more than 500 social services mm-hmm. in the country. Around year six or seven, we were thinking with the team, we don't want to just do stuff that are happening around Christmas. We want to be involved in those children's lives throughout the year and actually create some meaningful change for them. When we started the mentoring program, it's called the Hidden Talents of Bulgaria. And throughout this program, every year for the past seven years, we've been searching and finding different talented children deprived of parental care or um, children that live in poor families. And um, once they get into the program, we give them the chance to choose a path they want to take on, get them all um, everything that they need uh, in order to get the goal that they have set for themselves achieved. So that means we provide them with private lessons. They have a personal mentor. They have um, a professional psychologist who supports them if needed. They get to go to qualification courses and uh, become qualified in a specific area that they like to later work on. We get them all the materials, books, some of them receive scholarships throughout the program. They usually have two paths to choose. Either they want to go to university or they want to start working after they finish their uh, education. We have eight uh, students in university who we are supporting financially. They're doing amazing by the way, we're very proud of them. A veterinarian, graphic designer and photography, nurse, a teacher, they'll be able to provide for, for, for themselves. Mm-hmm. So this is the main goal of the program. Now more than 50, 60 children have gone through the program. This is a huge impact. Uh, yeah. 50, yeah. 60 children. Do you think that they are then going to be interested once they graduate, once they fulfill their dream. Do you think they are going to be more inclined to having a philanthropic impact? Most likely, yes. We've already discussed this with uh, one or two of them. Mm-hmm. And they approached us with, with the idea of giving back to the community who has been supporting them for so long. You started telling us about the book? The the book is a, a very interesting collaboration with... Um, this international organization is called Big Bloom. So what they do is they find a nonprofit and they target a specific problem yeah. and they create professional teams 
who have around two, three days to come up with solutions. And then they present the solutions to the nonprofit and the nonprofit decides who is the winning team, who has the best solution. Yeah, we went through this uh, project with uh, Big Bloom and we had three teams, pitches, uh, three different ideas for uh, how to develop our uh, products with cause. Because we want to diversify the portfolio of income in the company, mm-hmm. of donations. Currently, probably more than 90% of what we receive is donations. Mm-hmm. And uh, we want to also start creating a bit of diversity so that we are not only looking for donations, but rather creating some sales opportunity with different products that we're trying to launch. So mm-hmm. they gave us the idea of this children's book that is based on a real life story. We asked one of the children in the program. She's now a young lady <laughs> in university studying psychology. If she's fine that we use her story, her life story. And she said, yes. So we invited. Now the book is actually about to be printed, I think, within the next week or so. Wow. We wish you good luck. <laughs> yes, of course. Best of luck. It really seems to me that big a big part of your job and I suppose a big part of your talent is to create the teams that are going to be supporting something. So for example, with the mentorship program, you're literally creating a whole team of people to support a child, a psychologist, a mentor, somebody who is providing financial security. Then with the project of the book, collaboration with Bloom, the person who the story is going to be about, the illustrator, the narrator, then the support from the round table. I think this is an amazing skill that you have to be finding the right people for the right job. Usually a lot of people, and I say this because I was one of them, when you start something, Thing, you don't necessarily envision that you're going to involve people. You're thinking, should I do this alone? Who will I get on board? How do I do this? The first and, and most important thing is and after you have a vision of what you want to do is make sure you get a good team. You can't do it alone. It's Even if you're super good at many different things, you still, you need somebody to vent ideas with and uh, uh, probably not all of your ideas are, are always the best ideas and there are better ideas out there, but you just need to be open to hear them and discuss them and uh, just pick the, 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 the better one. Or whoever is about to start something, make sure you, first of all, get a good team. Just find the team, yes. put time and effort finding a team. (laughs) That's a great thing to say. And thank you for giving this advice. I told you also that I have a co-host on this podcast, especially for this uh, reason. And what we were discussing when I told him that you're coming on, he was very curious about some of the challenges that are associated with having a nonprofit in terms of the concern that people have sometimes about the transparency of it. So when they uh, provide support in terms of money, in terms of time, that they make sure that it's going to where it's supposed to go. And I'm sure you have encountered this. And I'm wondering, how do you tackle this? And how do you make sure that you are transparent? Well, with us, maybe because of the line of work that we do from the beginning, it was 
natural and authentic and, and, and really easy to create 100% transparency of what we do and what happens to the donations. Because for the, for the first uh, six or seven years, uh, when we were running the Christmas campaign, we did not ask for money. So what we asked for is for one person to go and buy a specific gift and donate it to a specific child at a specific location. Uh, for the Christmas campaign, we're still not asking for money to this day, 16 years later. We always ask the people to go and buy the things themselves. And uh, we make sure to upload all the documentation and uh, all the photos taken during the gift giving. This actually created great trust in the community that supports us. They know what we do and they know why we're doing it and they see the end result. You know how much joy this is. For you, it may take, I don't know, one or two hours to buy the present and like choose buy present and then uh, wrap it up and send it. But for that one child, it gives hours and weeks and maybe years of uh, excitement to yeah. My favorite of all time is uh, a fishing rod. I love that <laughs> every year I'm looking for. Is there a fishing rod somewhere on the wish list? And I every time I imagine a child going fishing somewhere. That's so uh, great. So this has helped us a lot when we actually started asking for financial support. Because with the mentoring program, we actually have now very big budgets uh, for each individual child that comes into the mentoring program. And that one budget we present to potential sponsors. Each and every penny, you, you know you know exactly where it goes. We send back reports financial reports what has been spent so far what is left from the donation this is the best way to create this uh transparency mm -hmm. and another thing that we do and i'm very proud of this because uh, we're one of the few organizations that i've seen have done it maybe there are more but i haven't seen uh is we have a monthly report on our website where we publish what has been spent in this month and what has it been spent for? And this helps us with getting more support because people are exactly. not worried. What advice would you give to people who want to get involved with organizations? How can they make sure that this organization is legit? Do your homework. Sit down, open the website, open the Facebook. See the way they communicate with, uh, with, with anyone. Uh, getting in touch with them through even throughout comments on, on the Facebook uh, pages. This is also very showing because there are organizations that run the whole parade very unprofessional and they, they can start attacking some people if they don't like what they see. So this is also very showing of how they run the whole thing. If you're planning to support them long term, you can ask for a meeting for sure. Let them present to you and meet in person the person who runs the show or some representative. But honestly, yeah, do your homework before you donate uh, so that you don't get scammed and then you kind of, it's ruined not only for you, yeah. but yeah, exactly. <laughs> for other charities that you might have supported if this yeah. hadn't happened. The fact that you're doing something that you have passion for means you're very involved. 
to work, especially with children, can be very emotional. So I'm wondering, how do you deal with with this? How do you shut off? How do you make sure that you put boundaries for yourself mm. so that you can protect your own mental health in this? Um, as I said in the beginning, I did a lot of mistakes when we first uh, started. Uh, Six years ago, when we started the mentoring program, which requires us to actually work with children uh, from very underprivileged situations uh, throughout the whole year, it's not only like you see that children child once a year, uh, we did not have a psychologist, which was a mistake, set boundaries and make sure their rules, the rules are explained and agreed upon in the beginning of the relationship, building the relationship with the child. Because we work with very vulnerable children. And the last thing they need is somebody coming in their life without boundaries, without rules of how you're going to communicate, why you're there, what is your goal, what is your role in that child's life. Find a good professional to work with that know what they're doing because can you, can you give an them. example of some of these boundaries and rules that you're setting in a communication in your involvement in a child's life? Yeah. So, for example, with us uh, in the mentoring program, our volunteers who are mentors in the program, uh, they have a very specific role, and the and the word mentor in different organizations actually carries a different meaning. Thus, the mentor is a very specific role which excludes friendship. It is not a role uh, that resembles um, a psychological, likely, not, not a parent, not, not the psychiatrist. The person who is a mentor does not treat the child is uh, they have relations in a psychological setting in this way mm-hmm. as a psychologist patient. We make sure that these boundaries are followed because if you enter the child's life in the position of a friend, you most certainly won't be able to mentor that child uh, because the dynamic is different. With your friends, you allow yourself to do different things, to not de- not necessarily take their point of view seriously, to uh, cross boundaries. And uh, this uh, actually sabotages the whole uh, path of the child to success. Mm-hmm. And this is bad for the child because they won't be able to grow. They will stay stuck in the same situation. And so the boundaries are benefiting you and the child. And so that's the why, child. yeah, that's why it's yeah. very important. And the child knows, okay, this person is in my life to help me achieve a certain goal by a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. If that person leaves, then we'll find another person to do this for you. But if you're in the role of a ment of a friend, then you, the child would just feel abandoned. And they've already have this in their life. They've already yeah. gone through abandonment so many times. They don't need this. Mm-hmm. A nonprofit uh, is one of the professions where, as you said, you have to have a presence and you have to reach out to people, etc. And in today's society, that comes with a lot of online presence. I suppose you have to try to be out there so that people get to know your nonprofit. Is this something that you enjoy? And how how do you deal with 
having an online presence it could be both enjoyable and uh tiresome sometimes uh it is for us challenging to uh cater to everybody who uh gets in contact with us there are times when we say no we're only a very small team of two and a half people we say to them that we won't be able to do something specific instead of them they yeah. would have to do it themselves mm-hmm. uh and some people understand some don't <laughs> yeah i think that's challenging because you at the end of the day you want people to help and i guess they expect you to be since you have an online presence to be available to them and sort of have this okay i'm going to help you at least you can answer to me you know currently i don't have uh, a family of my own like i don't have children so this is a bit easier on me when it comes to let's say answering emails after work uh, in the middle of the night after 12 o'clock and it gives me pleasure if i'm not super tired that i won't be able to even like say my name i, I sit down and answer the question uh gladly but we do try to be as prompt as we can of course the christmas campaign is run mainly by volunteers it is only me and my teammate here in the office and uh, we're here in the office full-time because of the mentoring program Uh, we have different sponsors just for our salaries uh, and they donate be- so that we can do the year-round program, mm-hmm. and uh, that also gives us the, the 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 possibility to support the volunteers during the Christmas campaign. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's fun. It's fun. I don't complain. I I love it. I love my work. So even even when it's hard. Yeah, it's great. Day, I, so. I think you can definitely tell with how much passion you're doing everything. So it certainly shows. In the last episode we touched upon the importance of core values. I think you've been doing this, as you said, for 16 years. So I'm wondering, what are the core values that you have had in the beginning that have stuck with you? What are some that you have taken on? And do they play a big role into what you can fall back on when things get very hectic and very dynamic? Mm-hmm. I would say honesty is is one so even if you're faced with a difficult situation, somebody might be not certain whether or not to just fully disclose what's going on, but we make sure that we're just honest in, in the situation. And even if, let's say, I make mistakes, one or many, I just sit down and I just say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. And... uh but n- not to like cover my mistake and be like, oh, nothing happened. Yeah. <laughs> it was not me. Uh, so I think this is something important. Mm-hmm. Just own, own your mistake. And another thing is that to me, and I've seen it throughout my work, the end goal does not justify the means. I won't uh, do anything and and everything, regardless my understanding of life and moral a compass in order to achieve something because we've had people approach us and be like ah oh, we can help this child get into university we have a connection mm-hmm. and I'm like no thank you <laughs> this child is fully able to study and get into university on their own without <laughs> the support of somebody putting a good word because mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not doing a favor to, to somebody if you do this 
Yeah. Uh, if that child is not able to get into university, then don't put them in university. Just find a better path for that yeah. child. Because yeah. if they're not able to pass through the exams, they won't be able to perform in university. Yeah. So what is that child even doing there? Yeah, you're not better doing them a qualify. favor. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Better to qualify them and, and get them a job. Yeah. And uh, get exactly. them some skills. We're here for the long run. So if you wanna if you wanna win like a short battle, yeah, sure, okay. <laughs> but we're here for the long run, and I want people when when they hear the name of the organization and individuals who run the organization or somewhat uh, related to the organization to link it with honor, integrity, uh, pure hearts, uh, good mission, values, and, and words like this. And and this is a battle that should be ongoing. And I have to every day make sure that I don't step this boundary of uh, thinking, well, this is very important for us, then we maybe should kind of think about, should should we do it in a different way? Regardless of the fact that it, it might step over some of our moral and integrity points that we've set for ourselves. Yeah, that's so nice. Yeah. So yeah. what's next for you? We are trying to create more sustainability for the organization. We actually recently expanded the team with half a person. <laughs> uh, we hired somebody half time mm-hmm. uh, for now. Because it's been a, a bit of a struggle to juggle with so many things. For the past, I say, two years, we've been expanding the mentoring program. So actually, this is hard because you have to follow development of each child. Uh, so we are now trying to create this sustainability and get a higher volume of donations and also create more products with costs in order to further support what we do mm-hmm. with the christmas campaign each year we try to better it with a few tweaks and we were on the verge of actually getting our own own application for the christmas campaign oh, it's great. actually yeah it's already running but there are a lot of things that needs to be need to be fixed before we actually present it mm-hmm. um and this is in order to have a better communication with the donors and uh, different institutions involved in the Christmas campaign. Even with the mentoring program, now every year we just add up some more rules and uh, some changes uh, based on what has happened the previous year and how better we can serve the children that we work with. Now uh, this school year we're we're working with a total of thirty-one uh, children and students in university. Mm-hmm. So children in school and students in university. And this is quite a large number. For one child, you would have to keep in touch with the director of the social institution that the child lives in, the mentor, uh, teacher or teachers, if there are more than one, teacher in uh, school that is uh, appointed in um, that child's classroom, some other grown-up that is somehow related in their life. So that's like between five and seven people that you keep in contact throughout the school year for one child. So now multiply that by 31. Wow, yes. (laughs) And you get quite a big number. Yeah. Tell everybody how to find you. We we have a 
fairly good uh, on online presence. Uh, you can find us on uh, our website, of course. Um, you can find us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, and YouTube, although YouTube is not already. <laughs> We're still developing it. And yeah. we recently started TikTok as well. Oh, wow. Uh, there, yeah. Thank you very much. Continued success. You have to come back and tell us how everything is going later on and best of luck with this year's Christmas campaign thank you so much thank you very much thank you for tuning in see you next week on Open Mic Life